0: From the erie otters connor mcdavid from the london
1: knights mitch marner from western hockey league's brandon wheat kings nolan patrick this is tracking the draft with craig button he checks an enormous amount of boxes
2: nobody in this draft did more with less i absolutely love him it's not his skills that anybody's concerned about it's that playing attitude Quite frankly, it's really poor.
1: Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Stad in the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U. Terriers,
2: Brady Kachuk.
1: He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard.
0: Hello there and welcome to Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. My name is Dean Millard. Craig, as the Director of Scouting for TSN, will be along shortly. This is Episode 7, and the stars of tomorrow are discovered here. On top shelf talent today, uh, those are guys expected to go in the top, uh, ranked in the top 40, rather, on uh, the Craigslist at uh, tsn.ca. Quentin Byfield, who's going to go a lot higher than 40, Uh, Definitely uh, top five, top three for a lot of people, top two for some. We'll find out what Craig thinks. On the next wave, those are guys drafted after the first round and beyond. Drew Camesso, goaltender, and Alexander Passion, a right winger. And in Time Machine, that's where we go uh, back in time to compare a player to this year's draft and then speed forward to take a peek at 2021 luke cormier defenseman will equal a uh, bruins blue liner in comparison today and we'll take a peek at an edmonton oil king uh, ranked high for 2021 our trivia question throw it out there see if you can answer it before the end of the show without looking it up name the first sudbury wolf to be drafted in the nhl who is the first player that wore a sudbury wolf jersey that was drafted into the National Hockey League. Craig, of course, joins us on the UFFS hotline. You can find out more information at uffsports.com. It is the most realistic fantasy hockey platform out there. Right now in the UFHL, we are in the playoffs, just like the Stanley Cup. Everything mirrors the Stanley Cup, including a 32nd franchise to be added very soon so keep it locked on uffsports.com not just for that big announcement coming from them soon about another sport another league this is going to be very cool and if you can't get in as a franchise owner in the ufhl you can become a scout Uh, the auction is going on right now Uh, my wife and craig button formed a scouting agency and they bid on shane wright for five Uh, for uh, over $500 uh, in in US dollars, which equates to uh, thousands of SEO because this is all on the blockchain. It's so cool and it's going to blow up big. It already is. You want to get in as close to the ground floor and it's fantasy hockey taken to a new level. So we'll tell you a little bit about the scouting program as we go, but check it out at uffsports.com. In this format, you own the game. So get in the game. A couple of news and notes before we bring in Craig. According to uh, the uh, Twitter account, at Hockey Worldwide, 2020 NHL draft eligible prospect John Jason Paterka has been loaned to EC Red Bull Salzburg uh, of the Bet at Home Ice Hockey League. Uh, That's a tweet. Uh, And then at TPE Hockey says, Jan Mysack is being loaned back to HC. Uh, Litvinoff in the Czech league for next season. This would allow him to take the ice again before the draft as their season starts on September 18th. I don't know what's going on between uh, the uh, Canadian hockey leagues right now, uh, but the uh, WHL and the OHL have both pushed their seasons back. Uh, the Alberta junior hockey league has uh, pushed their season back as well. Um, but the QMJHL as early as six days ago says they will play October 1st. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how the CHL can't regulate this and say, no, all of our leagues are starting at the same time, but that's a little bit, uh, little bit bizarre, uh, for me in that you would have one league starting two months. Like Usually the Q is a little bit ahead of everybody else, but two months with COVID-19 going on, seems like it's too quick. I think everybody should be on the same page and that's where the CHL as the governing body, in my opinion, needs to uh, step in. All right, we're gonna bring in Craig Button right away.
1: Here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it, Craig Button.
0: All right, Craig Button, uh, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM in the NHL and a Stanley Cup champion as director of player personnel with the Dallas Stars, joins us as we get the player vitals. And we start with Quinton Byfield, who is our top-shelf talent candidate this week. Byfield hustles after it, plays down low for eleven, Trying to get away from Stevenson, out to Byfield, Chuck scores! Quinton Byfield with the goal to give the Wolves the lead. He's a centre from Sudbury. Love to be there on a Saturday night, as Stompin' Tom said. He was born in Newmarket, Ontario, 6'4", 214 pounds. Manstring. 45 games this year, 32 goals, 50 assists for 82 points, and he is ranked third on the Craigslist.
1: Here's a clear-cut breakaway. Molinar coming in. Took the shot. Great stop by
0: Cremesso. In the next wave, Drew Cremesso is a goaltender with the U.S. National Development Program. He was born in Boston. Plans on going to school at Boston as well. He's six two, 181 pounds, 27 games. Rock-solid numbers. Just great. 2.05 uh, goals against average and a 9 2 save percentage in the USHL this year, and he is ranked 75th on the Craigslist. On
1: feeds it score! Alexander Passion fires it home, and the Russians have the early lead.
0: Also in the next wave, Alexander Passion, a right-winger who played uh, in Ufa, Uh, A little bit in the KHL, mostly in uh, the Junior League. He is from uh, Pryutovo, Russia. 5'7", 154 pounds. In 37 games uh, in the Junior League, he had 17 goals, 22 helpers, 39 assists. He is ranked 47th on the Craigslist. And in Time Machine, your hint is it's a three-time, double-digit, goal-scoring defenseman who went undrafted that will be compared... To Luke Cormier.
1: Market picks his pocket.
0: In on fame. The shot. He scores! Let's check
1: out some top shelf talent.
0: Off the bar and in over the glove hand. Another rifle shot up to the upper right hand corner.
1: That's a beautiful goal right there. Holy smokes. Top shelf! <laughs> as we explore first round potential from the Halifax Mooseheads Nathan McKinnon
0: in top shelf talent today Craig I figured we would start with um, one of uh, the top shelf talent the big dogs in his drop the number 1 pick in the early 80s and uh, a top shelf talent that unfortunately uh, lost his battle with cancer this week and that would be Dale Hawerchuk and man if this guy didn't play in Gretzky's shadow he would be such a bigger name wouldn't he
2: Well I mean y- you think about what Dale accomplished in his years in Winnipeg and during you know that era playing against Wayne Gretzky and and we all know that uh, only Gretzky had more points during that span of time than uh, Dale Hawerchuk so you know, and, and, and everybody was in Wayne Gretzky's shadow. I mean, yeah. that's just the way yeah. it was. But when, when, when you realize how good Dale was, and I don't think you needed to really realize it, people knew how good he was, but Dale was the player that just played. He, he, he played with great intelligence. He played with great skill, and he played with great competitiveness. I, I mean you, there, there was no way you were going to take Dale Howard Chuck and eliminate him from a game you just couldn't it was impossible to do I remember and Dale and, and myself are the same age and I remember going with my father who was with Central Scouting at the time in 1979 uh no 1980 so actually he was with Washington already and you know that's Kids in my age group, I'm playing midget you know, kids that are going on to junior that, you know, we're going to be NHL players or have a chance to be NHL players. And I remember going in the playoffs in the final, they were playing Sherbrooke. And I believe it was the final, it might have been the semifinal, but I'm pretty sure it was the final. Sherbrooke was a really good team. And I remember going to Cornwall with my dad and watching Dale Howard Chuck. And he wasn't just a good 16 year old, he was the best player on the ice. He was better than everybody. And, you know, it was a hard league, it was a tough league, and Dale just shone brightly. I remember my dad saying to me, he goes, oh, that's the guy that's going to be the first pick next year in the NHL draft. And I said, there's nobody else? He goes, oh, no, oh no, no, he's clearly the best player for the draft next year. And I said to him, I said, what about this year? He said, yeah, he'd be the first pick this year too. (laughs) (laughs) and you know just because i I mean that's really the point in time when again you're playing you're playing with good players you're playing against good players and you're you're recognizing whoa that guy's really good well that's how good dale was and you know i heard somebody say the other day to me uh dean you know like and and the comment was this he said i was i was i was nobody and he treated me great but dale was a great player on the ice but dale Everybody was somebody to him. He he treated everybody wonderfully. I know talking to him when he was coaching in Barry and going in to spend time with him. You you, you just talked talking. You were just talking and you know uh, the admiration I had for him as a as a, as a youngster at same age and how good he was and you know how great a player he was and then to watch him. Really, and he talked about wanting to give back to junior hockey players. And boy, did he ever do that! And we can talk about Mark Shifley and Andrei Sveshnikov, but every player that came into his group, he wanted to help them be the very best they could be. And what a what a what a person to learn from! That not only had individual success, but he had incredible team success.
0: Well, and Craig Heisinger, who started out as an equipment oh. guy with Brandon Weekings and now uh, the uh, assistant GM and director of hockey operations for the Jets, called him the most humble superstar he's ever met. And Zinger, and he knew him from the beginning.
2: Well, think about, think about all the players that Zinger was around <laughs> yeah. over the course of time in Brandon. Great players, yeah. great players. And great players in Winnipeg, right? And for when Zinger when makes that type of a comment, I mean, that is significant. It's meaningful. And, and, and Hey, listen, anybody, whether you were uh, a loved one of Dale Howardchuck, whether you were a dear friend, a former teammate, somebody that you, you, you pass uh, your cross paths with over the big time, there was tear shit right across the hockey world and the Howardchuck family world, friend world. When we heard about his passing, it's it, it just, it goes without saying that, uh, We've lost a terrific man, a terrific person, and, you know, it, it, it really is a day that, uh, you know, delivered a big gut punch to uh,
0: so many people. And 100%. Uh, okay, so let's talk about top-shelf talent for this year's draft. We're talking about Quinton Byfield, the center for Sudbury, ranked number three. Uh, what is the gap like between Byfield and Stutzla?
2: no very slim margin it you know razor thin in my view dean and you know and you know we're and if he was he could be better than still still absolutely can't Mm. be uh you know we're talking about you know very high-end players not only high quality players but players that are going to be very productive but let's deal with quinn i've watched quinn that's here with the uh, New York Simco Express, and you know one of the things that was very clear when you first set eyes on him was, uh, you know, this is a this is a person with a physical stature that moves gracefully, that moves with a athleticism on the ice that it, it is really significant. And, and then second to that is always competitively uh, involved in the game in, in every single regard. Not not a player that was just focused uh, offensively or just a shooter, every single area of the game uh, Quinton has, is involved in, and, and certainly he's carried that through uh, with his play in Sudbury, with his play with Team Canada, and there's no question in my mind that he's going to continue that through in the National Hockey League, and he, he's going to be a front-line center, there's no question about it in my view, and you know, I've compared him to Andre Kopitar with respect to type of player, mm. because he he cares about every square inch of the ice turf. And whether that be below the goal line in his own zone, whether it be in front of the net in the offensive zone, whether it be on the rush, whether it be on a face-off that's critical to winning, and in every single area, you know, Quinton is invested. And, and those types of players are incredibly valuable to, to winning and, and to a team's success. And I, I really believe, too, that Quinton uh, is, is still kind of finding out how good he can be. Ha, ha and and with that will come greater confidence and asserting himself and imposing himself and I, I think when that day comes i mean he he's not only going to be a handful uh for anybody playing against them but it's also going to uh lead to him you know being a frontline player not just for the team that drafts him but one of a, a frontline player in the national hockey League.
0: He scores a lot, and he did that in his rookie season. Second season, he started uh, uh, collecting a lot more assists. Did you see a big uh, improvement in that area as far as playmaking and almost like a conscious uh, um, uh, improvement by him to say, hey, I I don't want to just be a goal scorer and I want to expand my game? Did you see that in him?
2: Well, I think that that's that's one of the big attributes of quitted is he's always looking to expand his game he's looking to expand his game in every single area and you know it also speaks to being uh, astute to what other teams are trying to do against you you know okay the the shot isn't there so i gotta make a play and uh, if the play isn't there i gotta shoot and that's how you become uh more well-rounded in your game that's also how you become more difficult to defend against because when you can do more things than you can make the opponent have to defend you in different ways without knowing exactly what you're going to do, that poses a significant challenge for opponents. And That's where Quinton is at. It's that continuous development of his game and not being satisfied. Oh, I'm good here. I'll just continue to do this. He, he wants to be good in every single area, and he's competitive in all those areas. And as he continues to to, to work and continues to gain that confidence in, in, in terms of becoming more productive in all areas of the game, that's what makes him more impactful. And that's why I think that as he continues to find, uh, you know, greater confidence in his game, not that he lacks it, but he's going to find that he can do even more because he wants to do more.
0: Once he gets going, he must be a load to stop. What are his first few steps like?
2: Well, they're really good. You know, it, it, listen from a standing still, he, he's difficult <laughs>
0: to <handle laughs> because have.
2: all he all he's got to do is just kind of reach out, and turn, and now you got to come through that that that, that big body of And but you know when he's moving and he 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 gets he gets in between an opponent and puts his body between the opponent and the puck. luck getting it from him because when he has the puck it it is a chore to try to get that puck away from him and I, i think when i use the word impose you know it's one thing to play keep away and hold the puck right and i think this is where quentin is going to become so much better and and i saw signs of it over the course of the year is that now okay i'm going to hold the puck and you're not going to be able to get away from me but now i'm going to take that puck and I'm going to pose myself on you. I'll, I'll use the turn. I'm going to jam it down your throat. Right. And that comes with, uh, you know, uh, uh, confidence and with it. And what I would say is it's going to be a scary proposition when he gets to that point. And he will.
0: Yeah. He has man size when he gets man strength. Uh, that's going to be uh, really <laughs> scary. Now, uh, like uh, Yaroslav Askarov, he didn't have the impact he wanted to have at the World Juniors. Do you think some fans and maybe even some evaluators get too caught up in one bad tournament, or is the World Junior that big enough of a stage to have an impact in a player's evaluation? What, Where's your thought process on that?
2: Listen, if you, it, my, my thought process is very, very clear, that you're, you you never should be evaluating players on one tournament or one period of time you, you, you have to be evaluating players over a long period of time you know where are they at, at this point what have they developed what do you see you know I, I i use the term you're trying to build the dossier on the player you're trying to complete that dossier and understand these are the strengths these are the areas he needs to improve on these are the areas of, of the game that you know he might not be as good as as other areas but this is what he is as a player. And you know I, the world Junior tournament has over the years presented players that everybody thought was going to be a great player and because they had a great tournament and they didn't become great players. didn't mean they didn't have a great tournament. And conversely, the world Junior tournament has had moments where players didn't play so well and people were saying, oh, they're not going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. So if, that, if, if that's the statements you want to make after a, after a tournament or after a period of time, I can guarantee you this, uh, Dean, guarantee it, take it to the bank. You are going to be making huge mistakes. And, you know, I can talk about Quinton or I can talk about Scaroff or any other player. Quinton wasn't ready to play at that level. He was not ready. Does that mean he's not a terrific prospect? Not at all. And at the end of the day, if you want to look at the world junior tournament, take a peek in and say, Oh, this is what he is. He didn't play so good. Therefore, he's not good. Whether you're a fan whether you're a team, uh, uh, whether you're part of team personnel, you are going to make huge mistakes.
1: Time for the next wave. Score! Braden Point got it done. 35 seconds into overtime. There are great players. Ryan O'Reilly, come get the Con Smythe Trophy. Superstars. But the free score from Bergeron. Who tied. In Hall of Famers after the first round. Ricky scores! Ricky got it high! That thing.
0: Oh, baby! Moving on now to the next wave, Craig, and we're talking about a goaltender, Drew Camesso, uh, with the uh, U.S. National Development Team, and he's ranked 75th on the Craigslist. And this guy had a pretty exceptional season in the USHL for the US program when it comes to numbers. 2.05 goals against average, 920 save percentage. Now, we all know it's not about uh, all about uh, stats when you're evaluating a player. So what kind of goalie do you see when you watch him?
2: Well, I see a goaltender that really developed over his two seasons with national team development program. And again, we talk about watching over a period of time. You know, you know what are you mastering? What what are you overcoming? What are you working on with respect to your play that gives you a, a greater opportunity to be successful? And and I clearly saw that with Drew. You know, his his team, the the 2002 born group uh, with the national team development program was very, very different than the 2001 group with Jack Hughes et al., who were an unbelievable offensive machine in terms of their ability to, to take the puck and score and overwhelm teams offensively. Drew's team was very different. They were a team that, you know, had to play hard. and th- Not that the 01 group didn't play hard, but they had to really be tight and hard without the puck and defensively because they couldn't score at will like the 01 group. And so it, it, the requirements of the O2 group were very different, which also put a different requirement on Drew and the goaltending, because you you don't have the benefit of being able to you know allow a goal here or a goal there that you know oh don't worry in the end equation we were able to win that game five three. Mm-hmm. This team had to win games two one and three two, and the USHL is a very very demanding league. It's tight, it's hard, and. When you're young and you're a 16-year-old and then a 17-year-old in that league, to hold your own competitively is one thing. But as a team, to be able to understand this is what our strengths are and this is how we're going to have to have success, listen, Drew was a big part of their success in that league this year. And, you know, when you watch a a goaltender continuously, you know, work on the intricacies of goaltending and continuously master them and get better, and, and he's still got a lot of room to get better. Very, very impressive what Drew Meso did.
0: So what are some of those things that, um, as a goaltender, he needs to improve on? Obvi- it sounds like uh, he has a pretty solid positioning uh, anyway, but what are some of the things that you think he needs to work on to get to that next level?
2: Well, I mean, like any other goaltender, I mean, I, I, I use the phrase and I'll continue to use it because it applies. You know... You draft a, you draft a pitcher in, in baseball while well, the pitcher has to learn how to, how, how to, how to pitch while well, you draft a goaltender. Now the goaltender has to learn how to goaltend. That, that, that's just part of it. You know, your, 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 technique, your, your understanding, your, your, your confidence in a position, right? I mean, that comes with reps. that comes with understanding that comes with maturity. So when I talk about Drew, so Physically and athletically, I see no drawbacks in, in Drew's game. None whatsoever. Does Does he have the explosive quickness uh, of an off or uh, or of a Spencer Knight? Mm-hmm. No, I don't see that. And, and and if I did, he'd be up in that category of goaltender. But do I see somebody that can be a really good goaltender, you know, giving physical maturity and given the time to, 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 work on those areas of the game? Absolutely. So athletically, you know, he, he's got the requisite capabilities physically. He, he also has a really good mind for the game. He reads the play, you know, and reading the play isn't just about, oh, I got to get there. That's athletic. It's about getting yourself in those positions ahead of time where you just say, hey, that's where the play's coming. I know I can commit there. And, you know, you have to be able to do it. It's not just about athleticism. And I think that Drew has a really strong awareness and sense for the game and what's unfolding in front of him, which allows him to get himself into the right positions. And he doesn't have to overplay. Patience. He's a patient goaltender. And I think that's one of the hardest things to teach with young goaltenders. Just be patient. David Pryor, longtime goaltending coach in the NHL with the Vegas Golden Knights now. To me, that's one of the biggest things that he tried to impress upon Gold. Don't give up your position. Just be patient. If you've got the positioning and and, and you understand where the challenges are around you and you're reading the play well, trust yourself. And I think that's where good goaltenders become better goaltenders. But I think Drew has already demonstrated that he's got the patience in his game uh, to, to, to be an NHL goaltender.
0: He's got some choices uh, uh, committed to Boston University, which has produced a a first overall pick and Olympic champion and uh, Rick DiPietro in Jim Craig in uh, different eras. And uh, on the flip side, the Quebec Ramparts uh, have drafted him so he could go play for Patrick Waugh. But is this a guy who could use two to three years in the college game uh, developing and getting stronger and working on things?
2: Well, he needs time. He needs whatever decision he would want to go and make you know, he's made the decision to go to college, right? But he needs time and he needs instruction. And, you know, one of the things I try to impress upon young players is, you know, I'm not, I would never tell a player that this is better for you than that mm-hmm. college or junior. And I tell, I tell young players this all the time, if anybody tells you that this is better for you than that run for the hill, because <laughs> they don't know what, what they need to impress upon you is, okay, here's what this, uh, path can lead to and offers. Here's what this path can lead to and offers. And what do you need? Okay, so what does Drew need? He needs really good uh, coaching in terms of his development. And so, okay, what does this, what, what does this, um, let's use Drew. What does Quebec offer in that regard? What does Boston University offer mm-hmm. in that regard? And then you make your decision based on it. Because being a student athlete, is very different than being a junior player Does't mean you're not going to, to 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 school or continuing on your education. But when you're at an educational institution, it's required that you be a good student-athlete right. to be able to maintain your eligibility. So you have to also ask yourself that question too as, as a prospective player. Do, am I going to commit as a student as much as I am as an athlete? And, you know, it's not. It, it's all these things put together, and that's where the evaluation has to go. But it doesn't change the development path for Drew. He needs, he needs time, as you point out, and he also needs to be able to access the instruction that's going to help them utilize that time.
0: Craig Button joins us, courtesy of the UFFS hotline. Get in the game where you own the game at uffsports.com. And, of course, you've uh, partnered up in this with high-level scouting uh, with uh, my better half, uh, Trish. And man, she is, uh, you know, you have given her the great recommendations of the players she should go after and she's reeling them in. Like she re like Shane Wright, obviously that was the number one guy that uh, you and her had targeted and she went out and got him. So uh, I think high level scouting is really on the rise in this platform.
2: Well, Trish is sharp, and I—I I, I can tell you how scouting works, Dean. In this regard, okay. So Trish is managing the whole operation, and she's got to make those decisions. And you know, I—you know—you say I've given her a great recommendations. Well, I feel I'm giving her a great recommendations. But if Trish finds out I'm not giving her a great recommendations, oh boy. <laughs> I know that I'm going to be. My feet are going to be held to the fire, so uh, I will continue to to make sure that I provide her with up to date information that can help her have confidence in the pursuit of the players that she's trying to acquire. And you know, I'm 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 very confident in my abilities, but more importantly. I'm confident in Trish's abilities to put it all together and to get those players.
0: All right. Uh, the listeners, for you out there, you can join the game as a scout right now. Head to uffsports.com. Uh, the next wave starts on Saturday. That's where we'll be. Uh, I get to bid, finally, as a franchise owner on some of the... Oh, so I'll be bidding against Trish. Isn't that going to be an interesting Saturday afternoon in our household?
2: Well, what I would suggest is, you know, what, like go to a park somewhere, <laughs> mean, and do it outside the house. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't, don't be doing it because you know what, uh, you know, I mean, obviously this is somebody that you love and you care about, right? But you also know she's really shrewd. Yes. And I, I think you would be in a better position to be in, in, in a locale someplace away from her because I think she might take advantage of
0: it. Yeah, that. she might clean my clock. All right, <laughs> uh, let's continue on with the next wave. And we're talking about Alexander Passion, a right winger from uh, he played in UFA, and he's ranked 47th on your list. And he has skating; he's got the hands. I watched some videos of him making some really nice plays. I also watched some videos of him maybe overcomplicating things, sk- skating into kind of clogged areas, maybe going through multiple players. Is that an area uh, of concern for you, despite his tremendous skill?
2: So uh, you know, I think I think the observations you make are really, really uh, you know, spot on. So. You know, so I'm I'm looking at Alexander Passion, and now I would look at how you describe the, the, those those areas of them, and so now I'm looking at it and going, okay, developmental. Okay, I can say to myself, okay, can we talk to the player and help him understand that so that he that he's not putting himself into these areas compromising positions where he can't take full advantage of you love the fact that he's that he takes the initiative that he's willing to do it he puts the he puts the puck on his stick and take and, and and wants to be a difference maker but you know if you're not using your skills to the best of your abilities what ends up ha- happening is that now it, it becomes you know you're working against yourself you're you're not able to do what you're best at and, and that can lead to frustration. So now the next step would be sitting down with the player, sitting down with his coaches and, and, and talking to them and trying to get intel and insight on how does he learn and has, have these things been expressed to him? Does he understand it? Because if he understands it and there's no reason for me to believe he doesn't, then you can work with him in on, on, on that developmental area. If he doesn't understand it, he's going to continue to make the same mistakes. And now that becomes an inherent flaw instead of a developmental flaw. I'll share a story with you. There there was a player that a very, very good player, very, very skilled player. And his skating was a significant attribute, really significant attribute, but he was always wanting to go at the same speed all the time. So, when, when I talked to the player, I said to him, I said, listen, I said, your your speed is fantastic, but you don't change gears. And now you become really easy to defend against because everybody on the other team knows that you're coming at one speed so they can manage it. Uh, I'll use a baseball analogy. Everybody can hit the fastball. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't throw off speed uh, pitches uh, to major league hitters, they're going to eat you alive, right? So you've got to be able to change speed. And so, you know, we had, I, I, I said to the player, try these things. And, and, he, and I'm telling you what, an unbelievable worker, an unbelievable person with respect to wanting to be good and understood that at younger ages he could do these things. And so what we did with him is we asked him to, okay, get the puck, start at just the top of the circles in your own zone. Accelerate at the blue line. Accelerate to another gear at the red line even try to go to another gear at, at the offensive blue line. Now gear down mm-hmm. at the top of the circle, go around the net and keep repeating this and keep doing that. Try to try to manage your speeds and gearing up and gearing down. And, and we would try to change and, uh, the cadence, like speed up at the blue line, slow down at the red line, speed up at the blue line. I, I can tell you this, Steve, he worked at that every single day couldn't do it because it was an inherent flaw he uh-huh. didn't understand it and he tried and he worked at it. so when i give you that when i give you that comparison and i give you that example and this was the first round pick in the national hockey and so when i when, when, when he asked me about passion and that's where i would go with I, I i like his energy mm-hmm. i like his i like his his ability to create offense I uh, like his desire. He he's also got a little bit of an edge to him too. I've seen him, you know, uh, you know, get right invested and go after people for his size. So he's got a feistiness to him. But if you cannot get those other areas of your game in order, it doesn't matter all those other things. You're not gonna be uh able to reach that potential that that, that that I think that he has, but that would be the next step that I would have to go to to really get confidence. Conf- Keep, keep in mind that we're confident. Mm-hmm. It's not about saying I want this guy or I don't want this guy. It's about having confidence that that is the guy.
0: Yeah. Cause like from what I've seen, his skating and like his hands, yep. his feet, his edge work, it's all spectacular.
2: Yep. Totally agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just got to get the other parts. Do you know if he's yeah, staying well, in that, Russia that- for a while?
2: well yeah i think so yeah. i like i i don't know what his plans are but, but but i mean that's i mean that's my understanding uh at this point in time and we'll leave it at that but yeah. you know again like uh when, when we talk about you know going through the process of those next steps talking to coaches talking to him has, you know does he understand this? that's where you build up the confidence and say okay we need we want this player or conversely you know what we're not so sure we want him, we're going to take this other player over
0: him. Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes.
1: Hop into the tracking the draft time machine. Get the puck on the move.
2: He reminds me so much of James Neal. I think he's a better goal scorer than Billy Garrett. He's the best goal scorer in the draft.
1: And let's see what we can learn from a past player when looking at this year's crop.
2: (laughs) Plays like John Carlson. So what do those guys do? They're able to make the plays in the offensive zone. Like Brock Besser, he's got the deadly accuracy. Nikita Kucherov immediately came to mind when I saw him play two years ago.
0: All right, let's uh, move on now to uh, Time Machine where we go back in time to compare a past player to a player in this year's draft and then go forward in time, uh, take a look at 2021. Uh, Let's start with this year's draft and a past player. What are we looking at today, Craig?
2: We're looking at Lucas Cormier of the uh, Charlottetown Islanders. And Lucas is is a defenseman who has great offensive confidence and so now how do you how do you describe offensive confidence well you know one of the one of the things is is we can watch players skate and shoot and handle the puck but when you get into the offensive zone that's where things get a lot tighter and so for good defense for defensemen to be able to produce offensively they got to be able to do it in the offensive zone they got to be able to make passes uh, you know, under sticks and through skates and anticipating, get in on mm-hmm. the play. It's not just about skating. It's all those things, you know, being able to, 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 to draw a defender to you to open up another area of the ice. Well, Lucas has that confidence. He, he's comfortable playing in the offensive zone. He's comfortable playing below the circles in the offensive zone. He's comfortable being around the front of the net in the offensive zone. And that's why he produces offensively. Yeah, he's got a good shot. He's a good skater. And, you know, but when you watch him, just be comfortable and confident in that offensive zone and, you know, making plays and understanding, okay, I'm going to get open here. Give me the puck. So you look at that type of a player and I go right to Tory Krug. Huh. The reason Tory Krug is so good uh, offensively is because he's really comfortable in the offensive zone. And he can play in a lot of different areas of the, the offensive zone. He can shoot the puck, but he can also jump into the play and be below the goal line. He could be in front of the net. He moves in the offensive zone. And that's where Lucas Cormier sits. And I think that, you know, somebody might ask, you, you would be well within your rights to ask me, well, if you're comparing him to Tory Krug, why do you not have him higher on your list? Okay. So I'd like to have an answer for you, and uh, maybe he has to move higher on me.
0: Right, and you've mentioned that, right? As we get closer to this draft that's been expanded, it does give you more time.
2: Yes, it does, and I'm going to use that time. I'm not going to. I'm not. I can't continuously talk about scouting not being static, and you got to use it over time. Well, just because of what I said in March doesn't mean that, like after further review and further analysis and evaluation that I can't change because I will.
0: Very true. Um, it's, it's, you know, you use Tory Krug. Uh, I I see these kind of guys and it almost sounds, uh, Like they're uh, in the, in the offensive zone, they can almost become like uh, a fourth forward, like almost like a Rover, as you talked about a guy that's comfortable uh, down low, a guy that's comfortable drawing uh, uh, people away and, and almost melding into that fourth forward. And, and, you know, you look at the size, there's, there's also a comparison in size between these two guys as well that, you know, maybe gives them a little bit more agility.
2: Well, you, you, well, the agility is something, and skating ability is something that they both have, but but you aptly describe it. And, Dean, you're not going to be able to create offense in the National Hockey League uh, if you don't have defense being part of your offensive attack. Mm-hmm. And and the offensive attack isn't standing at the blue line or jumping into the rush. You, you have to be invested and involved in the offensive zone because if you're not, it becomes easy for opponents to defend against your group it becomes you know two or three against two against three down low or three against four down low and those defensemen have to come in to, to stretch out the offensive zone to open up space and to open up ice for your other players because it's too easy for opponents to pack in on two or three players the def- it, it's essential to have defensemen that can be part of your offensive zone offensive thrust
0: and uh, as far as uh, an all-around game uh, w- with Lucas, because uh, you know I think Tory Krug's a pretty responsible player. Uh, you know, is he uh, pretty effective at the defensive responsibilities that he has as well?
2: He's got a desire. To, you know, he competes defensively, uh, like Tori. You know, there's going to be certain areas of the game where Tori's not going to be as strong. Mm-hmm. So you try to have complementary players with him. But what I look for in those players just compete, compete. Make sure that you're in the fight doesn't mean that you're at your your stature, that you're going to overwhelm the player, but you're not going to let that player have an easy way with it, and you're going to get right into the game. You're going to get right into the area of competing defensively. Adam Bolfes was a high first-round draft pick for the Chicago Blackhawks. Excellent offensively. Now, I know when he went and played in London for Dale Hunter, that one of the things they really emphasized with Adam was, listen, we know you're good offensively. But you got to start competing better defensively with your skills. Right. It wasn't that he's not capable, but you got to do it. You can't just re- – because you're going to be in your defensive zone. And so that's part of development for Adam. I know the London Knights felt really positive about the, the direction he took in that regard. He's got to continue to take that. But that's what Torrey does. That's what Lucas does in junior. It's going to be it's something that Lucas is going to have to continue to work on and develop, but he competes. And that's what you have to be able to do.
0: Awesome. As for 2021, this is a guy I can't wait to watch uh, whenever the WHL resumes right in my backyard.
2: Well, Dylan Gunther, and... If I don't get really good, solid scouting reports from you, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm just telling you that right now. You're, I'm getting somebody else. Okay, I well, I'll get... tell you,
0: he's got a really quick release and lightning uh, accuracy. Is that, is that a good start?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a great start. And you know, But as time goes on, I, I, need, that, I need that information. There I need you that go. intel. You said in my own backyard. So, you know, like I'm going to be turning to you for your insights and to tell me uh, where I'm wrong. And, where, where, where I need to be better. But I, I think Dylan makes the game look easy. I, 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 he's highly skilled. He skates so well. And it's, it's almost effortless. And, you know, he's moving, and he, he, it doesn't look like he's moving these bodies. But here's what I love about Dylan. I think that at a younger age, obviously you're the first overall pick in the Western Hockey League. You're dominant offensively. You have the puck all the time. and But coming into the Western Hockey League, what he did this year as a 60-year-old pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. pretty darn impressive i mean that what he did this year as a 60-year-old is darn impressive at any time but especially on a good team and to me his hockey sense his intelligence for the game is superb and he, he, he can make a play. He can make a play in traffic. He can make a play on the rush. He can shoot the puck. You talked about the accuracy. He, he he gets his hand set in a position where, you know, a defender has to be thinking, okay, he might be able to make that pass over there, but he also might have to shoot it. That keeps, all you need is a half a second to keep defenders at bay. Dylan does that, and, and, and he's also really competitive. You know, I've watched him at different times. Uh, that, that in Edmonton with the Western Hockey League and and internationally at the under seventeen, and the games get ramped up and that and the and the, and the challenges become a little bit more significant. He's right in the right in the battle, and he and he's good and he. And when he gets physically more mature, he's only going to become that much better. Listen, I mean, we're we're talking about a player that very easily, very easily, uh, could be a top three pick, very easily. He's mm-hmm. that good. I mean, I, I've talked about Atu Raddy. I've talked about Owen Power. There's other really good players in this draft. But Dylan, for his capabilities and his skill level, and that IQ is off the chart, easily could be a talk. Hey, listen, maybe at this point, not this point next season, whatever the next draft is in 2021, maybe he's like Nico Hischer and he ends up being the first overall pick. Right. He's that good. I'm telling you, I am not ruling him out.
0: Well, he, uh, he went on the auction block today in uh, UFF uh, Sport. Uh, you and Trish did not uh, get that uh, particular player. But, uh, you know, when you look at 2021, it, would you say he's the best bet out of Western Canada or the West uh, to, to be the top pick? Uh,
2: well, I, I, here's how I would position it. I would say don't bet against him. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, we talk about, uh, of course, of Suleiman. Who plays in Brooks and an Edmonton mm-hmm. native? You know, he, I mean, I think he's a fantastic defenseman. So that that's why, I, I, like, I'm not going to say that he 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 is, but I'm going to say he's a good bet. But that, that that's also because, of course, Stewart.
0: Well, you would be happy with that because uh, Trish snagged him in the uh, auction today. So uh, again, uh, you're you're recommending and she's knocking <laughs> him down. This high level scouting is going to be a force.
2: Well, that's the idea, right? Hey, I know this about Trish. She's in it to win it.
0: There you go. Craig, as always, thank you so much. And uh, particularly for your uh, poignant thoughts on uh, Dale Howard who we're all um, you know, sending our uh, our love and our thoughts to the Howardchuck family and, and, and a lot of people in Winnipeg too. This guy was the, he was the guy, you know, when you look at how they introduced Dale Howard Chuck, and sorry to, to go on about this, but they, they brought this guy out at Portage in Maine and he put that city on the sports map.
2: He did, and, and we should never, uh, you never have to be sorry about talking about uh, Dale Howardchuk, you know, as as player and as person and his significance in Winnipeg, and you know, I don't know if you read. I would encourage anybody to read. Uh, David Stubbs of NHL.com shared uh, Sarah Savard's thoughts mm. on Dale Howardchuk, and Sarah's, uh John Ferguson, senior, his longtime friend, convinced Sare to come out of retirement to help his young group of players uh, in Winnipeg, and. Sayers talks about Dale and watching him play, and and, and you know this is this, this is a great player. In Sayers, Sears talking about at the time an eighteen-year-old player, and I think Sayers, you know, it was November of that first year in nineteen, uh, uh nineteen eighty-one, and then he start he played a little while after after John Ferguson Sr. had had convinced him to come out and play. So when you hear and, and keep in mind how many great players. Serge Savard played with over the course of his career in Montreal. And when you read that and read what he says about Dale Howard, Chuck, I I don't have anything to add that says it all.
0: Great stuff, Craig. Thanks so much for the time. We'll chat next week.
1: We will. This is a serious message.
0: Craig Button joins
1: us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your bear. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. Yeah. UFFS! You own the game!
0: All right, another great conversation uh, with Mr. Craig Button, the Director of Scouting from TSN. And in the next little while, we'll also bring you Craig's Council, where Craig's going to give some scouting pro tips for people out there. And this will be especially important for those in the scouting program with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, or for anyone who has an interest in how you become a scout. Uh, If you want to get in on that, hit us up with some questions. We'll add it to the list of the ones we already have tracking the draft at gmail.com tracking the draft at gmail.com and we'll uh hit craig up with your questions when we do craig's counsel
1: time to flex your brain and answer this draft related trivia question well we're waiting you want answers Pay attention now. So you're telling me there's a chance. Can you dig it? Hands up with answers. Thank you.
0: Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Yeah! All right, we gave you the trivia question earlier in the show. Name the first Sudbury Wolf to be named or to be drafted in the National Hockey League. Morris Titanic is the name that was on the tip of your tongue. Uh, And unfortunately, his NHL career sank like the ship he was named after. 1973 to Buffalo with the 12th overall pick. This guy had 61 goals in Sudbury one year. And actually, uh, my good buddy Warren Woods, uh, Global Television, uh, who was was where I worked with him in Regina, despite him being a Leaf fan, he actually is from Sudbury. And he said, I remember this guy from uh, growing up. So... 61 goal season in Sudbury played just 19 games in the National Hockey League. That's going to wrap things up for us on this week's episode. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. If you'd like to catch up with the past episodes that you've missed, just head to trackingthedraft.ca, www.trackingthedraft.ca. And if you'd like to be a part of the show as an advertiser, Hit me up on email, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. For all other podcast needs, if you're into podcasts in particular, check out podcastalley.ca. I have some other shows that you might just enjoy. Big thanks to Craig Button, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames and a 1999 Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. He's also uh, the president of scouting for High Level Scouting, in the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. But thanks, of course, to Craig for his time, his knowledge, and his passion. And most importantly, thanks to you for listening. Have a good evening, uh, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on when you are listening to this. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button and Dean Millard. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here.